Hey everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. I am Gina Bianca and I'm glad you're here. Today I got a text from Mary from behind the chair and she was like, hey, wanna go live? And I was like, um, yeah, duh. So she actually let me record it for the podcast. So I hope that you enjoy this and uh, we're gonna hop right into the interview. So right when it started. So get into it, enjoy, and I hope this inspires you and lights a fire inside of you the same it did for me. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. All right. Hey, Mary. Hi. Hey, Gina. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. How are you holding up? I'm doing good. We are just um, moving our whole business online. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I know. It's like, it's really, really, it's been crazy. I've been live all day today. It's like, I kind of do this thing where I'm like, um, for a week, nobody sees or hears from me. And then all of a sudden I'm like live over and over and over. This is my fourth, I think today. But, um, but yeah, I just, I think one of the things that's been really, um, interesting about this is we're kind of in that state now of limbo. I feel like a little bit, um, where people are in that, you know, have I gotten that money yet? You know, we did this really big survey um, actually we did really two big surveys to find out, you know, everything about how much time, you know, people, um, like how much money do they have? Do they live paycheck to paycheck? You know, how many people do they know that have coronavirus? Like we did all these big things that have been picked up like in, um, uh, the Washington post and Allure just did a big interview and everything. And I, I feel like the whole industry or the whole world is forgetting about hairdressers being entirely out of work. And I feel like we need to, you know, be sharing more information about that. And, um, and, and now I think what I'm, you know, we've been home for a couple of weeks and, um, I think I've been spending a lot of time just talking about the recession of 2008 and like what we've lived through and what I've watched salons live through over the years. And, um, and I think I just want to be sharing some of that information, I guess, with, uh, with audiences that haven't lived through some of these difficult times, just to start to get them to start changing their perspective a little bit, you know? So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, when 2008 and the whole stock market crash and all that happened, that was 10 years ago. I was like just finishing hair school. And during that time, I remember it was really crazy times. The world was really wild. People weren't spending a lot of money. The first salon I worked at, I was fully on Groupon. Like I built my whole business on Groupon and using Facebook and promotions and, you know, the, the solid stuff that I've learned and have been doing forever. But um, in 2008, you know, that's where I started my career. I graduated beauty school in 2009 and I came out of it 10 years later doing great and having amazing things happen for me. And so did a lot of people, but a lot of people didn't end up great. And I want to ask you, like, what do you think differentiates, like, during these times, like, what can you do to come out on top? So I think, so the first thing, and you know, and a lot of people, um, I think it's a great, it's a great question because, and, and I think that it's a really great question because traditionally, 
I feel like we live in a world where um, we have lived in a world where business has been really good. So I think there are a lot of people that probably like first are going to go through the state of denial, like it's not really happening. Then we're thinking about, okay, so let's say that it's six weeks that clients come back and they call that a V recession. So the more they come, you know, like it, this happened really fast. So let's talk about the economy first. The economy was amazing. Like we were living in a really amazing economy. Everybody was doing well. Certainly, I mean, if you were running a good business and you knew how to run business, you had a great business going on at that time. So our economy was really good. In 2008, 2008 was what was happening back then was the economy like was getting worse and worse and worse and the housing crisis is what caused everything to go to to go to hell. But the but if we can go back in this B and we can go here and then come back up again, I think we'll be okay. I, I feel like if we could get back to work by you know, the middle of April, that's not gonna happen. Back to work by May 1st. I think we'll be we'll be okay. Um, the right, the thing though, the most important thing right now is cash. You know, cash is king and people need to be able to sustain themselves. And to me that I've always talked about, I remember in 2008, I lost literally so much of my business. And what happened back then is in hairdressers, 30, 35% of salons went out of business in 2008. Um, and in the crisis of 9-11 um, of in New York, 50,000 stockbrokers wives I mean, 50,000 stockbrokers lost their jobs, so their wives could no longer go to the salon and spend three, four, five hundred dollars. And so, when people say, you know, this is way worse than uh, than any recession, it is. But most people haven't lived. If you didn't live through the recession, you didn't live through that. What you didn't know is that 35% of salons went out of business. Most people couldn't afford services. Um, so there was a lot that happened, and a lot of hairdressers back then were, you know, were saying, yeah, or people were seeing now saying, I'm not going to change my services, I'm not going to change my pricing, I'm not going to do this. The thing that we have to be really, really realistic about is that no matter what, we are not going to, you closed your door one day, you walked out, you turned the lights off. When you go back into the salon, everything is going to be different when you walk in. Social distancing is going to be an issue. We're going to have to think about, you know, our clients over the age of 50, right? Over the age of 60, will they want to keep coming back into the salon? But the most important thing right now is if you do, if you're safe financially, then this is the perfect opportunity to start thinking about how you are going to be on top on the other side of this. And I think that's the thing that so many people need to be thinking about. And I know Gina, what I respect so much about you is you're always willing to say the tough stuff. And I think it's, you know, the most important thing that we can do that I think is an obligation is for us to actually, you know, explain not only what could happen, but also what has happened in the past in these situations. So one of the things that we've been talking about, we've been seeing this online, and I don't know where you and all of your, you know, um, your followers stand on this, but this idea of people, you know, helping their clients from home, these root, you know, touch-up kits, and or you know, cutting your bangs, you know, cutting the fringe, and teaching people how to do that. I I think you know, I was saying earlier. Artie Miller said something to me, um, who was the founder of Matrix, and I worked with him for years. And he said, you know, I said, how do you decide what to do and make decisions? He said, I, I, we ask ourselves one question at Matrix, and this was going back 20 years ago. He said, is it good for a hairdresser? The decision that we're about to make, is it good for a hairdresser? And if we can say yes to that being good for a hairdresser, then we're gonna do it. And I would say that to all of the hairdressers out there is, is whatever you're deciding to do good for your client. Because at the end of the day, it really is about what is good for the client. And if your client 
doesn't want to see her gray and you're telling her that you are professional and you're not you're not going to help her in any way because she's going to have to wait to come back into the salon um that's i i think that's very short-sighted you have madison reed you've got e-salon you've got gpu right now that um are selling your clients and they're up tenfold right now and when i say tenfold like 10 times the number of clients are now actually um attempting to uh, to buy their services so if you're not willing to do that um, you know, that is a very short-sighted place to be, I feel like, right now, because they're on Zoom meetings, and in some cases, you know, why are you shaming a client telling her to make her hair continue to go gray for your benefit? It's not, we want her to support you and, and to help you, but at the end of the day, she doesn't want to be on a Zoom call with gray coming out, and maybe she's not even on a Zoom call. Maybe she wants to put a dress on, put her makeup on, God knows I would not want to do that, but put a dress on, put her makeup on, open the office door to her house and walk in, close the door and feel some level of normality. You know what I mean? But we shouldn't be shaming clients for that. And I think we need to start thinking about these home hair color, you know, kits or um, what is it that we can do? Can we help them online and charge them a service for that? Like Chris Jones just did the home hair color kits and made about $2,500 and they came and lined up. He said he was like a Chick-fil-A, like literally 40 clients in one hour, like came, he thought he was like serving in a Chick-fil-A. And, um, and that was, a, it's a great way to make, you know, to teach his clients how to do it. And, you know, and they were sending him emails and notes just thanking him so much for caring so much about them. And one of my concerns is on the other side of this, when we get to three months, for example, if it's three months, this is not just about them having gray hair. This is about them. They lost their job. Their husband lost his job. Um, I can't afford to come and see you, Gina. I, ca I can't afford to actually sit in your chair right now. I can't afford that root touch-up kit, but I can't actually afford and the day that she can't afford to come back, she's gonna sit in your chair because she wants to see you. But I think we need to be thoughtful around what this what this recession could mean to our clients and how can we best service our clients and what competition is out there, whether it's Box Color or it's Madison Reed. I think we've gotta be thoughtful around those things. And, and who knows, that could end up becoming a service in a recession, you know, that, and she's not only doing it herself, but she's, also potentially finding, you know, having friends that can't afford to have a full service right now either. So I think we have to be sensitive to what clients' needs are. Most importantly, we need to just be open and not be shaming people for the decisions that people are making for themselves. I, I don't, if I'm not walking in your shoes, I'm not gonna shame you for anything that you're doing. I don't wanna be, I don't think anybody should be judging each other right now. I really don't. Um, I think it's, it's, we're just not in a place where people, everybody should throw their ideas out and everybody should think about, about whether that works for them. Yeah, I love it. And I think that a lot of the time hairstylists more are against at-home kits for a different reason than people think. And a lot of the times it's because it removes the hairstylist from the equation a lot of the times. Like we get cut out of the equation. Like I built the relationship with this client for 10 appointments and now she's going to go online and get her hair color done that I perfected or with her knowledge and experience and expertise of what looks good on her. And then I get cut out. So I think that if the at home kits were an actual income stream and people had the resources to do them, I think that hairstylists would have a way different mindset about it. But right now there's no way for them to really do that and 
execute yeah. that. Well, not everybody. Some people can. Like, I'm sure if you've got 10, 15 grand chilling in the bank and you can yeah. make them look really good, you can upgrade your insurance, you can print all the stuff out and do a startup of something like this. Like, that's super realistic. Great. But a lot of the times, hair sales are so against it because it's just, they don't think it's realistic for them and they don't think it's realistic because they don't have the resources to just do a startup. But I think that the at home hair color, I think that it's going to be a part of our industry in the future. In one of two ways there's going to be a big walmart that does it any client can go in get it for cheap get it for um you know whatever and then there's going to be the stylists who add value in this uh, at home color is going to be part of you know a, a perk of getting your hair done with me like oh do you want it here or at home and you know you can really make that a business and a separate revenue stream which yeah takes a lot of time and takes a lot of systems and leadership and cr to yeah. create it and maintain that that's a separate business separate income stream and a lot of stuff so if the brands had a way that everybody wins and they didn't cut the stylist out completely i think everybody i don't think it would be so negative but you know what if somebody wants to do it at home big red big red alert button hey you could fuck this up and I could have to fix it at 10 times the price. Some people don't care. They want to risk it. They want to do their hair and watch TV. They want to do it for TikTok. They want to have that experience. And guess what? It's 2020. They're going to do it. And if you don't like it, you're going to be like the old, old man, like get off my lawn when everybody's doing it anyway. Like get over it. It's 2020. We're all going to be doing it anyway. I colored my hair five days into quarantine and I feel bad for anyone who couldn't do that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, they're going to do it some, somehow, somewhere. And I think that, you know, the other thing sometimes uh, that we have to think about is sometimes, you know, we, we have this saying, and I certainly didn't come up with, but it, but it's, it's shoot, aim, you know, um, shoot, aim, fire. And it's like, what is it? Fire, like shoot, fire, aim. So we go backwards with it. So instead of it's like, you know, aiming, like the idea is, is that sometimes to have an idea, like, You've got to just do it and then perfect it later, you know? Yep. So, and, and the thing is, is like in crisis situations, let me, I, I'm going to give you an example of, a, of, of how somebody took advantage of a crisis, like a really, it was like a perfect storm for this situation in the salon industry. So, cause I'm so old, I'm 54. And so I've been through a lot. So I owned a search firm for the first 10 years at headhunting firm from the time I was 22 and I started my first company and I started behind the chair when I was 34. And so what happened in the recession, like what happened in 2008 is you remember all these amazing um, day spas, right? You know, it was like day spas were everywhere. And um, and actually this happened, it almost happened be between 2000 and 2008, like it was happening. But at that moment is when like the collapse happened and everybody was, everybody was getting like Elizabeth Arden. They actually, they just, they're literally just closed all their doors to their spas this week, like, like forever, like they're out. But 25% of their business was just spa, like it was just day spa, it was, it was facial, it was um, massage. And so what happened back in the recession is, you remember the day spas for a lot of individual day spas, they would call a massage therapist in, right? So we've got two massages for you on this day, or they would only be there on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, or Fridays and Saturdays, or whatever it would be. But when the, that collapsed, all of those massage therapists all lost their jobs, and then there's whole business popped up called Massage Envy. 
And what Massage Envy did was gave all of these massage therapists that only had a couple days a week. So you were working for, you were making 65 bucks on $125 service, you know, cause that's what massage costs. So only rich people, you know, got a massage. And then what they said, Massage Envy then said, okay, well, guess what? We're now, you're gonna, you're gonna get fewer dollars. Now we're going to do a massage for 60 bucks. You're going to get 30, but we're going to give you a full-time job and you're going to have a full book. So Massage Envy took advantage of that big downturn and turned it into a giant business, making massage then available for everyone at any price point. So they took huge advantage of that. And we have- It to came out on top. They, not only did they, they existed, they, that they started, they came out on top big time. So we have to think about and open our minds to the possibility of what business are we in? Like, what is it that we're What selling? business are you really in? Are you really in? I mean, I have a joke that I used to do on stage when I would do business presentations all the time. And I would say, you know, um, like the, like, um, uh, what's the airlines over in, uh, in, uh, Europe? Um, uh, the, the one that's like easy. EasyJet. Is it EasyJet? I think EasyJet. And you could buy a ticket on EasyJet for like 25 bucks. And I'm like, but they, but they charge you a hundred for your luggage. I mean, like crazy. And then I'm like laughing going pretty soon. They charge you for a soda. They charge you for everything. And I'm like, but pretty soon they're going to charge you to go to the bathroom and people laugh. And I go, oh, wait a second. Let me tell you, like, because they'll charge you to go to the bathroom maybe, but in, you know, in the UK, yeah, there are bathrooms outside that are these plastic things and they charge you a buck to go or a, a, a pound to go to the bathroom. Well, in Mexico, if you go to Mexico, they won't charge you to go to the bathroom. They're going to charge you for the toilet paper and you got to pay them 50 cents or a dollar for toilet paper. So we have to think about, you know, what business are we in? And, you know, when people were doing um, blowout bars, all of these independent salons were all pissed off and they're like, why are these people doing blow-up bars? I'm like, guess what? You can too. You just create this little service menu and it says we do blowouts. I mean, come on. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think just going back to the very beginning of what you had just started saying is like, these companies that come out on top and these companies like Massage Envy and Blow and all of these blowout places that do the series and memberships, they're solving the problem of the times. And if you if you stop asking, what problem am I solving? If you stop asking, the, the quality of your questions determine the quality of your life, business, everything. So if you stop so asking those, if you stop, like what problem are we solving right now? People are gray at home on Zoom. Like that's the problem we're solving. And anybody who's not trying to solve that problem, their business is dying right now. And, and, you know, it's, that's the problem. The problem when we get back to work is how are we going to get everybody in? That's the next problem you're solving. You have to ask yourself those questions. And, you know, I want to speak for, I I, I don't want to speak for you, but as a woman in business, you know, I had to learn this on my own. Um, winter is always coming there's always gonna be a time where shit hits the fan and if you're in a strong position you will come out on top now when you're in a strong position that means you have not a lot of debt you've got money in the bank and any of these big problems that need to be solved like at home color you can freaking come in and solve it like that's being in that's business and you know, maybe men learn it, maybe XYZ learns it, but I had to learn it on my own. And I learned it from Tony Robbins, winter is coming. And if you're not in the right position, you're gonna end up 
whatever. So if you didn't never heard of that before, winter is always coming. Like you have to take care of your business. And the way that people like Madison Reed, all these big companies that come in and solve these problems, they were in the strong position when the problem needed to be solved. They're not thinking about how it makes me feel. They're thinking about what problem am I solving? How can I serve? You know, it's it's funny because um, I saw somebody, uh, it went by um, pretty fast, but I saw somebody saying, I totally disagree with that. And here's here's the thing is, is you- But why? And, can, and they, I, can they share because, why? Because it's, because it's because she said it's, exa- it's, it's everything that we were taught not to do. And here's the thing is like, there is a world that is so completely different than everything that we were taught to do. If I was still doing what I was taught to do 20 years ago, where there wasn't, I mean, Instagram didn't exist, Facebook didn't exist, none of this existed. If I, I would never have made this recommendation back in 2008, it would not have, it just, times change. Like we, we have to be open to the possibility of what's going to change. We have to be innovative by suggesting that, that I'm totally against that. Or somebody has said, I'm not going to discount my prices. You don't need to discount your prices, but guess what? You're, you're going to need to do a lot more with a lot. You're going to have to do a lot more for less money and you're going to be working twice as hard. That's what happened at the 2008 recession. That's going to Mary. happen. You've got to pay attention to exactly what your clients' needs are, not just how you feel about it. A hundred percent. And, you know, when people say that this is everything I'm not taught to do or, you know, when people say it cheapens the business or like we shouldn't teach clients to do their hair at home, I totally understand where you're coming from. But that is fear because you don't want to be replaced by a machine. And I understand that that is fear, but you have an option. Instead of losing guests, if they can do their hair themselves, the box, if they could do a retouch themselves, why are you not thinking? Why are you not asking? What can I specialize in that nobody else can do? No one can ever take your education away from you. If you think this is horrible for the industry, chances are you need to expand your education so you could do things that nobody else can do nobody can do a baby light i saw someone writing on here nobody can do a baby light nobody can do a balayage nobody can give someone specific this is for a touch-up service and most people right when they're a specialist when they're a specialist they don't have time for a touch-up if you can be a part of the equation where you make money from this and your guests get it from you what what is the issue yeah so here's the thing here's the other thing that did not exist back in 2008 is balayage so clients, so clients had to come in every month, you know, every six weeks at a minimum. Balayage is an awesome thing because balayage did not exist back then. So, I, a, a thousand percent. In fact, forget about forget about this virus. Forget about all that. If you if you don't aren't specializing in something amazing, you're never going to make it all the way. Like that is what you do. That's what you're getting paid to do. Somebody else is going to take over what they can do on their own or what they can do. So like, I agree with you a thousand percent for people saying I'd rather, you know, starve and and be an artist. Well, this is not what we're talking about. An artist is not a root touch up. Okay. An artist is what you're doing in terms of your dimensional hair color and all of those things. What, What we're talking about here is not for you to stop being an artist. What we're talking about is thinking differently about the fact that your client may want, may need to get a root touch up and that's all she can afford right now. That's what cutting out the bullshit. It's just cutting out the bullshit. Like, why are you upset about this? I'm upset because I'm cut out of the equation and I feel insignificant. Like I don't matter. Okay. You're in the equation. You made the formula. 
it's coming from you. Your guest only gets it because they trust you. Like you have to like, if that's where you're coming from, that's, you have to reframe and build the business so that it works for you. If you have every other thing like combating it, like there's, it, anything can work and it's happening without you involved. The world is moving forward without you. And if you don't want to be a part of it, that's totally fine. We'll get off your lawn, but it's moving on without you. And it is what it is. And I I think that the point is, is like, you know, we've been behind the chair has been in business for 20 years and every single day, like we had, a, we had one of those companies, I won't say which one, um, no, Madison, between Madison Reed, East Salon and DPU, one of those three companies that sells those services had asked us whether or not we would accept advertising from them right now to get hairdressers to make consultations. And I said, no. And I said, not only did I say no, but I also said, I'm not even going to supply that information to my stylist because sometimes you know not what you do. And if you're in a desperate situation, you may very well, like Amazon asked us two years ago, if we would, you know, they wanted to be an exclusive partner to provide this big uh, program to do um, uh, an affiliate program with them. And I'm like, no, I'm like, cause I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to ask these hairdressers to have their clients buy their products online through Amazon. And then they'll never get that, that, that again. I mean, then Amazon has all that information. So sometimes I think, you know, like being in business long, you also know exactly what people are up to. And you also know that people, you know, people are not going to, you know, I made a promise as God is on my, on my honor, on my children's lives, on all of it, that I would only do things that I felt um, were good for hairdressers and that I would always never forsake a hairdresser. And I would always do what was only right for hairdressers. And I, and I, I would live by that. There's not enough money in the world. That's going to make me make a decision. Like Pantene tried to do business with us several years ago. And I was like, no, you're the devil. I mean, literally you have to know that. And you know, they, they're, everybody's got a business, Madison Reed and E-Salon. They're, of course, they're going to take advantage of this opportunity right now. And of course, and one of the people that works at one of those companies is a very, like we worked with her and another one of our clients. She's amazing. I love her, but, um, but I, I can't do that. You know, I, if she came back to a professional company, I, I could do that, you know, but I, but I can't do that. I won't do that. So I want to say, I want to, I want to add in and just share like the, here's the thing. It's either we're going to elevate the beauty industry or not. And what that entails is literally every single stylist being empowered enough to not only be behind the chair, but beyond the chair, like what else can you do? Yeah. And if you think that the only way you can be successful in this business is by standing behind a chair, you need to understand that there's so much more for you. And talking about home color kits and an additional revenue stream like yes to some people that may be bad but is it bad because it's bad or is it bad because they want to keep you down here with them that's the question are you elevating yourself are you not what table are you sitting at are you sitting at the table where we're all growing or is it get off my lawn we don't change what are you doing like what kind of life do you want to lead and when you elevate the beauty industry which mary i think that you do i think you give stylists so many opportunities you've given me so many opportunities and i thank you and i thank you all the time and i literally cry because some of the best opportunities in my life have come from BTC, have come from Joyco and all of that happened getting a chance taken on me. So I think you elevate the beauty industry and I think you give people a lot of opportunities. And I think that if your goal in this business is to grow and be better, never stop doing that. 
No, and I think it's not, and I think that the only the only way that we've been able, you know, people always say, um, you know, I, I think it's funny when you look at college teams that stay on top all the time, you know, and people always look at at, at uh, they always want the underdog to beat the to beat the winner, right? And I'm like, you know, when people, I always laugh when people go, um, I, there's a saying, you know, when the underdog starts winning, people stop cheering. When the underdog starts winning, people stop cheering. Yes. I always say, when you win for the first time, don't pop open the champagne. But if you can win for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you can stay on top during that, then you can pop open the champagne. When the underdogs, when you're no longer the underdog and people stop cheering for you, that's actually the time to open up the champagne because yeah, I it's, love not that. About, it's not about people wanting to see the underdog win. It's about wanting to see people take the top person down or to take the top it's all it's always that and i think the thing is is like you can't stay on top for a long time unless you're constantly thinking ahead of the game and innovation is it, it, innovation is about is about you know an insight and and you know is about seeing things that other people don't see and and most of the time people are poo-pooing that like when i started this company 20 years ago i mean 10 percent of hairdressers even had a computer like, you know, we were so like way too far ahead, you know, of the game, I think at that time. But, you know, I knew that conceptually I was on to something. I knew that we needed to get hairdressers outside the four walls of their own salon and feel like they belonged to something and to gain knowledge and information outside of that. But I think that anybody that anybody that takes the approach, I'll give you the other one that I love. Matrix had me do a, a presentation that I, I opened. I do, as you, as you know, I, I speak a lot on stage and they wanted me to do a keynote to open up Destination two years ago. And they said, we want you to, to be tough, like, you know, to be tough about social media and about, you know, like get on board with it. And I was tough and, and I, you know, and I, I did say like, this is, you know, this is something that you have to do. This is, look at, we've seen so many hairdressers that stood on stages for 20 years that we don't even see them anymore. Most social media hairdressers don't even know who they were and who they are. And so a woman comes up to me after the presentation, like later that night, she was a little intoxicated and she's pointing her finger at me and I've never really had it happen to this extent. And she said, you don't know what you're talking about. I have a full book. I have a full book. I, I don't have to do those pictures, things. That's all stupid. That's all whatever. And I'm like, you know what? You're, you know, and she was so nasty. And, you know, and I'm just like, for every single day, like, look, I'm 54. I didn't want to go on social, <clears throat> but I, you have to do it. Like, I started my own page for Mary Behind the Chair because... I needed to understand what it was. I needed to understand how it worked. I'm not the best at it in any way, shape or form, but I had to do that. Like it's my young team that is really, really good at it, right? But we have to be willing to step outside our everyday and be willing to say, you know what? I've got to evolve. And again, you know, he didn't say that it's survival of the fittest. He said it's survival. The people who survive are the ones that are willing, are able to adapt to change. That's actually what he said. It wasn't survival of the fittest. It was survival of those who can adapt. And I think that we have got to adapt and we have to think about who could, like, this is the way you got to look at it. Who are your competitors? And you got to think broadly. So if I'm, let's say that I'm a restaurant, right? And it's the economy is bad. Let's say I'm a restaurant. And let's say we're, we, we can go to a restaurant and we can go. But if I just think about myself as a restaurant 
against all the other restaurants, I'm actually not thinking broadly enough. I have to think people have this much money to spend. Are they going to spend it on a restaurant? Are they going to spend it on a movie? Are they going to spend it at home on Netflix? Like, what are they going to spend the money on? So this is not just about, it's about discretionary income, right? Are, are they going to buy lipstick or nail polish? Are they going to come to the salon or buy a pair of shoes? So we've got to think outside of just who our competitors are in just hair. We've got to think about what else do they need? What else are they going to buy? And what you guys are talking about, what you were talking about, Gina, before is, this is about experience. You will never ever know more about the gift of experience that you're gonna give your client until after you hit winter. After winter comes is when you start to learn what, what that experience is that your client is really, your guest is going to need after this is over. Because I can promise you that almost every person that's gonna come in is gonna be afraid a little bit they're they want to come in they're going to be afraid a little bit they might have a, a they might have a loved one who had coronavirus or something else they might be afraid that you've got people too close to each other you know whatever it is so the point is is like it's not going to be the same they're not going to have as much money they're going to be more thoughtful about how they're going to spend their money and so we constantly have to be evolving we have to be thinking past what we've always done and that woman you know that that um you know that blew me up at matrix telling me that she doesn't have she not only does she not have time for pictures um she doesn't need to do pictures because she's got a full book and i'm like well congratulations because i told all of the artists that stood on stages for 20 years that they needed to get on instagram some of them swore at me like literally sent me the nastiest notes because i would write about it and say you guys have got to get on instagram and now most of them there's only been a few but most most of them are not on stages anymore and became obsolete. And they're not obsolete. They're some of the best educators in the world, but people don't want to see them anymore because they don't know who they are because they didn't get on social. This is the industry now. So, you know, and I just think that you may, I always say, you know what, I'd rather you, I, I'd rather you not like me. I'd rather you like not like me and hate everything I have to say, but some, but let it sink in a little bit and just let, cause you know, that's the thing. It's really easy to tell everybody exactly what they want to hear and that it's going to be fine. You don't, you don't have to take pictures. It's okay. Instagram's not going to affect you. Those clients are still going to be sitting in your chair, but that's not my job. I, I don't think my job is to tell you that it's going to be unicorns and flowers and, you know, daisies. I think my job is to say, you know what, pay attention and get ready for everything. We're going to war here. And you know what, get strong. After 9-11, I felt so weak when my kids were at school and airplanes are like whatever. I, I felt weak for like a, a week. I, I felt like unsafe. And then I was like, fuck these terrorists. Like they're not gonna take me down. I'm, I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna be strong for my family. I'm gonna be strong for myself, you know? Like we, that's what we have to do right now. We need to be strong and we need to say, you know, we're not gonna, we, you don't need to sit. You can't control this right now. All you can control is yourself and what you're doing. And the best control you can ever have is when this is over, start saving money. You know what, start saving money, take it, take responsibility for your life. And when these, ha these situations happen again, you will have money in the bank, you'll feel secure, and when you feel secure is when you're able to do really amazing things and think about what the opportunities are on the other side of this. That's why I still have all my staff employed, 35 people. 
Like I, I can assume that my competitors are probably not in a similar situation, you know, um, because we do, we keep an excess amount of cash and it's, and I don't spend a lot of money and I, I love to win. I, I love to build a business that's successful, but you won't see, I drive a Jeep. Like, you know, I have a nice house, um, but you, you won't see me, you know, flaunting stuff because it's, First of all, if you do something really great and you're really proud of it, you got to celebrate that however you want. So I don't shame anybody for getting that fancy car or whatever. But if you can't afford that fancy car, like really? Like why are you buying it? Like you anybody can go buy a fancy car and not be able to afford it. Like you can't even afford it. It's like being an artist and putting your name to a picture that you didn't really paint, you know? So once you can afford it, then go buy it and celebrate whatever it is that you want. But, you know, you better have money sitting there because you're never, you know, I don't have to sit and worry about, and I say this because I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. But when I was young and grew up 30 minutes from where I'm at right now, my parents were rationing food for a family of four. You could have one piece of bacon today and you could have one egg today. And we rationed food because my we were making my dad was making $65 a week for a family of four to eat on. I lived in a house that had wallpaper coming down. I had an outhouse until I was five years old. So like, I know what that looks like. And I think that because um, of living like that, you know, and, and then my dad became a self-made millionaire by the time I was 18. So I watched that hard work and I watched what hard work, how much it takes, you know, dreams don't work unless you do, you know, they really don't. And I think that as a leader and I, Gina, I've said this to you many times, I, I know how much shit you must get for the strength of your opinions. And I, res I respect and I respect anyone. I, you know, Maggie MH, I love Maggie. I sent her a note yesterday, very similar to a note that I've sent to you that I have so much respect for, um, for her. I have so much respect for um, the things that she's willing to come out and say. And I have so much respect for the fact that you try to get people to think differently. And that, you know, you've got, it takes a lot out of you to do that. You give a lot of your heart and soul to people, um, and you're get you you are helping them think differently. And we don't succeed in life long term. We can for a short window of time, but we will not succeed long term if we don't constantly think about all the alternatives. And and you do that so well. And you and I know that you get beaten up constantly for having alternative thinking. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's the best part about you is that, you know, that you're willing to constantly think outside the box and then to share that information, whether people like it or not. It's really, it's, it, it's a great service to this industry that you do that. Thank you. you don't have I have a lot of mentors. <laughs> I have a lot of mentors that I look up to, to help with that. And, um, I really try to, you know, it's true like i always say elevate the beauty industry but it's true like it's really like if you could elevate the stylist if they could do more than hair like it doesn't like if they could run and grow their business like that's number one like you there's so much possible for you and there's a special reason you were put here every single person watching you too mary all like me too all of us we all have a special reason why we're here and um, we're all in this industry together and I think it's going to be great coming out on the other end, but I have to run. I have to record one of my classes that's coming up, but oh thank God. you so much, Mary. I'm so, so I just excited say, that we got to do this. 
And I just also, you guys, one of the things I'm really excited about is um, at btcuniversity.com. And I know Gina's got a class too on pricing, but we took 65 of our lives, you guys, that are all 90 minutes long. So colored by Caitlin for foliage, balayage, Liz, um, um, Carolyn, everybody. We have 65 of them, 100 hours, you guys, of education. And one of the things we wanted to do for coronavirus, this whole situation, is instead of you guys binging out on um, on Netflix, we want you to binge out on some BTC education. So if you go to btcuniversity.com right now for 72 hours, you get free education. And then it's literally uh, 89 cents a day. It's 29.95 for 100 hours of education. One of those classes is Gina, and then she also has a separate class on pricing that you guys should check out there too. I'm so. on there a few times, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think you I'm are. And then, yeah, so which is awesome. It's a great, great class. And then uh, check out you guys' social climbing for BTC coming up. It's going to teach you everything about um, about Instagram and about. If you're especially if you're a virgin on Instagram, you're an Instagram virgin. That's coming up at the end of uh, of the end end of the month. So it's great to see you, and I know you've got an amazing program, Mastermind. So everybody check that out. Um, it's a great program that's ongoing for um, for hairdressers to learn all about business, which is so important. You've done such a great job. So the industry owes you a lot, and uh, I love seeing you. And I love your dark hair, by the way. I love thank it. Thank you. It looks amazing. <laughs> you look amazing. So congratulations on all your success, and thank you for doing so much for everyone during this really difficult time. You too. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys uh, tonight for our first fireside chat tonight so awesome thanks you mary thank thanks you guys so for watching okay, bye guys Have a good one. you too what did you guys think of this conversation let me know send me a dm where do you think the industry is going what questions do you have what's next Let's start shifting the conversation forward. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast.